The following audio-supported podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Please speak with your healthcare professional before making any treatment decisions. The guests on today's show were paid to participate in this podcast. Welcome back to Just Listen, Voices of PK Deficiency. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Grace. As a pediatric hematologist, an important part of my job is establishing a diagnosis for patients in patients with congenital hemolytic anemias or anemias that they're born with that are caused by red cell breakdown. It's critical to come to a final and specific diagnosis. This is key in the setting of being able to offer disease-directed therapy to some patients, but it's also extremely important for making sure patients have the correct recommended monitoring studies and the right supportive management. For example, a partial splenectomy is a potentially effective treatment for some forms of hemolytic anemias and not for others. Splenectomy is also associated with a very high rate of blood clots in some hemolytic anemias, but not others. In the current era, it's important for people with hemolytic anemias to advocate for a specific diagnosis using the types of testing available in the area, which for many will include genetic testing. Today's podcast is focused on the diagnostic journey. My guest today is Dolores Dumas. Dolores is a 73-year-old living with PK deficiency and was diagnosed as a teen with non-spherocytic hemolytic anemia. During a visit with a new hematologist, she received a definitive diagnosis of PK deficiency. Dolores feels grateful that she finally has a name for her condition. We hope you enjoy my conversation with Dolores. Let's listen in. My name is Dolores, and I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. Dolores, can you share your diagnostic journey with us and what it was like for you going through that journey? To be honest with you, the journey just became definitive in 2019. So all the time when I was born with this anemia, I didn't know anything about the PK deficiency until I got here in Ohio. So all those years before finding out the definitive diagnosis, I was told I had non-furacidic hemolytic anemia. And so that's what I went with ever since I was like 12 years old. So I kept saying, okay, I'm non-furacidic hemolytic anemia. But when I moved here to Ohio in 2019, I always had to stay on the hematologist. So I went to this doctor and When I got referred to him, he never wanted to do any type of record checking with my other doctors to find out what I had or even look at my records to say, "Okay, we can go from there. He went from scratch. He said, I don't want your records. He didn't want to know anything about me. So I wasn't too king on that. He wanted to do his own thing. And I was like, this is not customer friendly. This is. You know, I'm not used to a doctor not trying to find out my medical history. He just wanted to do his own thing. And okay, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I let him do his own thing. So he did a blood analysis that took two weeks to get the results back. Even before the results came back, he said to me, you know, I think you might have an enzyme. I'm almost certain that you might have an enzyme deficiency. Now, this without doing any testing. I guess it was just his medical educational guess that he thought I might have this. So when the test did come back, it was accurate. He said, you have a PK deficiency, the enzyme deficiency. And not that it was told to me that it was from birth, 
until I had a genetic testing. The genetic testing solidified everything to find out that I had pyrekinase deficiency is what they call it. So I was like, oh, good. I got an answer. I know what I have. Now I don't have to say when I go to different doctors or tell them that I have non-ferrocytic hemolytic anemia. That is a type, but that's not the diagnosis. So I was pretty happy to find out. It took like over 60 years before finding out that I had this PK deficiency. 60 some years. How do you balance providing information about PK deficiency with maintaining hope and optimism for the future? I never gave up. I didn't have the energy like a normal human being would have, but I never, I just never quit. It was almost like being in a race and just keep running till you get to the finish line. And I worked. I've always worked. So balancing, I worked, I did. I kept my house together. So I just did everything like a normal person. I never gave in to the disease, even though sometimes it would knock me down or shut me down, but I just never gave up. Can you share a personal story or an example of how you've managed the uncertainty of PK deficiency within your family? With my family, I shared it with my son, but with my son, since I'm here with him and we live in the same state, I've shared with him so he understands more of my health-wise, and so he's in tune to it. But lately here, with going to the doctors, taking these blood tests every once a month now, they were having me to come every two weeks. But then I was like, okay, no, can we just do this thing once a month? Because I'm feeling better. I have energy. So to keep check on my hemoglobin and see how it is, maybe once a month. So now they have me coming once a month. But letting my son know how I feel is mostly important to me, more so than my family, because everybody in my family, on a different level. They're like hypertension. I'm the only one in the family with the PK deficiency. My son, he doesn't have it. What are some common emotions that children may experience when they have a parent with PK deficiency and how can they manage their feelings? My son, he's pretty strong, pretty strong. Okay. More like a positive person. He's concerned. He want to know how I'm doing, but as far as Going through an emotional state, no, he carries it well. Even my grandkids, they are there because I've talked to them about it. So they pretty much even kill about it. It's no big emotional. It's just positive. Positive energy, positive energy, and that's how they are. I might get a little, but they don't see it. Sometimes I, I have gotten a little down with this in the beginning, but... It's all positive now. Agios is a biopharmaceutical company that's fueled by connections with patient communities, professionals, partners, and each other. Building on these connections and the company's unmatched leadership in the field of cellular metabolism, Agios is pioneering therapies of genetically defined diseases, a broad group of rare and more common diseases that are typically severe and life-threatening. Near term, Agios is focusing on advancing a clinical pipeline of medicines for hereditary hemolytic anemias. To learn more about PK deficiency, visit knowpkdeficiency.com. That's K-N-O-W-P-K-Deficiency.com.
What is the role of genetic testing in diagnosing PK deficiency, and how does it contribute to a more accurate understanding of the condition? Now, the genetic testing was, I would say, perfect for me because I never thought of having a genetic test. When you're born, you just think, oh, I got something from my father or from my mother. But the genetic testing made me think that it just didn't come from one parent. It was a mutation from both parents, this PK deficiency. So it came from both. So having a genetic testing was great. That even educated me to think that I could share this with somebody else, say somebody's going through this and never had a genetic testing. How would they know where it came from or what parent it came from? So it made me feel pretty good to know that it was from both parents, but both of my parents are deceased. So growing up as a kid, there was no genetic testing from the parents. So my parents say like back in the day during their upbringing, they didn't know about this. See, you don't, you perish for lack of knowledge. So if you don't know these things, you're not able to work with anything because you don't have that at your fingertips. Now going forward, if something should come up with my grandkids, then we could have that done for them. Dolores, can you share any personal experiences or stories where genetic testing played a crucial role in obtaining a definitive diagnosis for PK deficiency? The only thing I can share with when my hematologist did my genetic testing on me, when he did that and he got the results back, it took a minute for that to come back. But when he got the results back, then it made me see the light. It made me say, oh, okay, now I understand. This did come strictly from when I was born. When I was born as a baby, I had this from birth and there was nothing done about it for over 60 years. And the only reason I think nothing was done about it is because during those times of the years, medical technology was not as advanced as it is now. No doctors that I've ever dealt with ever thought about PKD, the technology. They didn't think about that. I don't even think it was really out there during that time. But I know for me to take 60 some years to find out that's what happened. And I've always been on a hematologist all my life. but. Thank God for genetic testing. Now you know that you can, even as a patient, you can do a little bit more with your health by suggesting things to the doctor that the doctor may do. Even if they don't go down that route, you may be able by being advanced in the knowledge to share that with the doctor because a lot of doctors don't really suggest genetic testing. A lot of doctors don't suggest this test that this doctor did for me in 2019. What steps can individuals and families take to become effective self-advocates in the context of rare diseases like PK deficiency? Okay, stay abreast on medical technology. <laughs> stay abreast on what's taking place. Re-educate yourself. Ask questions to your doctor, your nurse. You just got to keep yourself educated. I think reading is good too. And Googling, I do a lot of Googling. This helped me. So this is how I learned about pretty much all of it is by reading, by Googling. That's how I stayed up on it. And I think that's a good thing because it's not every day that you're going to talk to the doctor. So you have to self-educate yourself. And Google is one way of doing it. If you can't do it that way, then go to the library, read books, medical books in the area of that deficiency or whatever your illness may be. Do the library thing. 
What advice would you give to someone who may feel overwhelmed or unsure about how to advocate for themselves or their child with PK deficiency? The advice that I would give that I gave to myself too was to, you have to take a breath. You have to get the understanding of what's going on with your body. And you do that through communicating with your doctor and just stay calm and stay hopeful and pray. Everything that I went through was over before I got to the PKD. The only thing that I experienced was being tired, but even that did not put me in a panic mode. It just, you get frustrated because you're tired of being tired. But then even though you might get frustrated, I would tell a person to just be patient, pray. And so despite all the symptoms and the difficulties I live with, even with the hemolytic crisis and the hospitalization, I was never one to feel sorry for myself. I was always optimistic. You may wonder how I stayed strong. My family and a couple of close friends supported me, but mainly I just relied on myself and God. Like I said earlier, I'm a loner. I didn't mention that, but I am a loner, very independent and self-sufficient. And I raised my son to be that way too. When I need help, I call on God. Another thing I've always done is an advocate for myself with my doctors. I had to do that all the time from a very young age. I'm in tune with my body. I pay attention to my body and I'm very open about telling the doctors and nurses what's going on with me. I tell you this, you've got to let the doctors know what's happening with your body so they can treat it. Maybe my doctor thinks I'm a nag and maybe they get sick of me, but it's my body. And the only way they can help me is if they know what's going on with me. I'm not afraid to question my doctor. I do it all the time. We all have to help each other. We're all human. We're a team and we're in this together. And lastly, my advice to other people living with PK deficiency is... First of all, to know your body, be in tune with your body from head to toe, pay close attention to what's going on with it. Also, keep track of your symptoms. Write down when something happens to you so you can be effective in telling the doctors about it. Keep track of things and keep records. They can't treat you correctly if you don't have all the information. When it comes to making a decision about your care, don't just let your doctors do everything. Educate yourself about your condition. Ask for explanation about the test they want to run and the medicine they want you to take. Ask if you need genetic testing. Don't be afraid to share your opinion about a diagnosis or your treatment. You need to share, talk and communicate so you can get the care you need. Finally, don't give up hope. I've always hoped that someday I would get a definitive diagnosis, and now that's what I have. I'm very happy about that. Thank you for listening to my story. Thanks for listening to Just Listen, Voices of Pervivate Kinase Deficiency. Don't forget to hit that follow button in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Share the show with members of the PK Deficiency community. And if you'd like to learn more about PK Deficiency and see what resources there are to support people impacted by PK Deficiency, visit nopkdeficiency.com. 
That is no K-N-O-W-P-K deficiency.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Rachel Grace, and we look forward to talking with you again.